Welcome back to Life 180 Podcast. My name is Amanda. I'm your host. Um, I am getting ready to go to the airport shortly, but I wanted to be able to film this for this week. And we're getting a little more personal once again. Um, it's just me. I'm here by myself, so no guests today. But uh, today I kind of wanted to talk about mental health. So there's lots of different things that I could kind of discuss and there's different things that could be brought up for this conversation. And I'm gonna keep this version of the conversation directed more towards me as an individual, as a single mother, as a 27 year old, and that kind of aspect and how growing up with mental health and how things have changed um, has affected me versus mental health as a whole, because I feel like that is a separate conversation. Um, so for me, and the reason I want to talk about my mental health is because I feel like one, as a woman, mental health is kind of just thrown off the bat. You, you know, oh, you're PMSing. Oh, you're just hormonal. Oh, you know, if you're pregnant, then it's, oh, you're just pregnant. Or if, you know, you're going through a breakup. Oh, you're being dramatic. Like they don't they as in people, <laughs> the world, um, don't really think of your mental health as your mental health. They write it off as it, it's something else and you're just crazy or you're just, you know, going through it or, you know, whatever excuse that people want to come up with when it comes to mental health, especially as a woman. Um, and two for me is that I feel like the way I've been able to handle my mental health has completely changed throughout the years. So for me, I was diagnosed um, with depression and anxiety when I was in sixth grade. That's kind of where it all started. I originally went to the doctor because I was having trouble in school. And I would tell my parents, you know, oh, I'm more happy than sad. That's, or I'm more sad than happy. <laughs> I'm more sad than happy. And that's kind of how I described it because I didn't know, obviously I was in sixth grade. I didn't really know what else I was like feeling, what that was. And then my grades started to slip even in sixth grade. And I was having trouble taking tests. I would get fidgety. I bite my nails, still bite my nails, um, and I would pick at my skin. I wasn't doing well. And so when I first went to the doctor, they were like, oh, you have ADHD. Just immediately, no questions asked. It was, oh, you're not doing well in school. You're failing or you're whatever, whatever. You bite your nails, you have ADHD. I'm like, okay, you know, like my parents had, neither of them had mental health issues. Like this was my first thing that we kind of gone through. So we were just like, okay, whatever, that's, it is what it is, I guess. That's where we're at. So after that, they gave me ADHD medication. Back then, this medication was a patch. It literally was like a nicotine patch. Obviously it wasn't nicotine. That you would put on your hip or your upper arm. And you would wear it throughout the day. And then you would take it off when you get home. And it would make me not hungry. It would make me irritable. 
it was basically like giving me speed, giving me like Vyvanse and Adderall, but like in a different form at fucking 12 years old. And it was awful. Like I still remember to this day it being itchy and I would always want to tear it off and like it would make me just not want to do anything. I would just be like, I'd rather just be at home. And so we did that, I think, I want to say for like a year, maybe or so. And then when I continued to tell them I was more sad than happy, they were like, I think this is something else. So we went to a different doctor. And by the time this was coming around, I was in middle school. And I was um, not yet at the time where I was being bullied, but I definitely was kind of the outcast. You know, the popular kids definitely weren't rude to me, but they didn't want to be my friend. You know what I mean? They had their little clique. They had their things going on. I was kind of the outcast. And I was awkward. I had started getting acne. Like things I <laughs> physically and mentally was not doing well. And this kind of started a whole, you know, line of things. That's when I first got on my very first antidepressant. Don't remember what it is. Not a fucking clue. It's fine. That's kind of irrelevant. But I said first antidepressant. So that's the key there. First antidepressant. And they were still having me take ADHD medication. So I was taking now Adderall. Very, very low dose. And I was taking an antidepressant. And I'm in seventh grade, this is seventh through eighth grade, seventh and eighth grade. And, um, you know, it was working, but not really. I wasn't taking it consistently. I was still not doing great in school to an extent. It just like, wasn't doing anything. And then I get into high school. We've now switched to a different antidepressant and a higher dose of Adderall and things like this. So we've moved on now once again to something else. Now I'm in high school and I went to three different high schools in my lifetime. So I went to an all girls school first and I was severely bullied. I had a group of friends that completely turned on me. Um, even though I was a cheerleader, I and I had like connections to every like little group of people. Like I thought that I was good. I thought that I was set and then I got completely turned on and I was severely bullied to the point where the head of the school, because I was doing so badly in school due to the bullying and the depression and everything like that, I was like failing already freshman year of high school. They were like, we don't want to kick you out but you're causing a lot of drama and you're not doing well in school. So we're gonna ask you if you kindly leave. They told me to leave rather than deal with the bullies that were literally causing me to want to harm myself and causing me to flunk out of school because I wasn't fucking focusing on anything. So we did that though. My parents pulled me out and then I went to the public school in our metro area. Um, that wasn't so bad. 
until junior year. So sophomore and junior year, I was at this public school. Um, it introduced me to a lot of crazy shit that I probably would not have been exposed to had I stayed at the all girls school or had I just gone to a different school in general. Now I say that lightly, I probably still would have been exposed to things. Obviously it's high school, you're teenagers, but it was very intense. My school was in a very nice area, but because of that school and its location, we actually bust in kids that were not in the zone area um, to like be more inclusive. So we had a lot of people from different um, areas to say the least. Um, and it was fine, you know, I had friends, I had acquaintances, I did fun things, I was crazy, I experienced a lot in those two years there. And I'm still friends with and, you know, acquaintances with people that, during that time of my life to this day, which is awesome. And I honestly loved my time there, but again, at the end, I got bullied. This is when I really started to want to take my life. So I was a cutter and I was so severely bullied and I had been now on my like third antidepressant, um, higher dose of Adderall, but like wasn't taking them consistently still because I don't like pills. I'm just not, I can't swallow them. I don't, don't know why. Um, but I was being severely bullied and there was this one group of girls that was sending me death threats off of like fake numbers. And I ate that shit for a while. I let that shit happen. Like I just, you know, sucked it in, cried myself to sleep, cut my wrists, slid my arms, all this stuff. And finally took it to the principal and she kind of just laughed and was like, can you not handle this yourself? And I tried to explain it to her and then I told my parents about it finally and then they came to the school and the, they, I knew who the girls were, so I basically tattletailed. I don't care, judge me if you want. But at the time, I was so, so depressed. I literally wanted to die. And it, nothing was helping no one was helping and nothing was helping i felt completely alone i didn't understand why these girls hated me i mean it was traumatic to say the least and i could go into detail after detail but to be honest i don't really want to rip these people apart because where i am now honestly thank you to those girls because I wouldn't be as strong and like determined as I am now if it hadn't been through all that fucking crazy shit that I went through. I still did not get better though. The situation was awful and I begged my parents to take me out of that school. So I found another school where I ended up graduating from senior year and it was the best experience of my entire life. I loved that school. It got me out of my comfort zone. I 
still have like blacked out a lot of high school just because of the trauma. But that school specifically was the best time of my life. I wish I had gone there the entire four years. And I don't know how we didn't like do that in the first place. I don't know. But it was great. It was the best thing ever. And those memories, <clears throat> even though I don't have any close friends from that school anymore, I feel like it's because I just kept my head down. I started taking Vyvanse that year instead of Adderall. I was on my fourth antidepressant and therapy was just not doing anything to me. I felt like it was so third party. Like I would sit down and they'd be like, well, how does that make you feel? Typical bullshit. And you're just like, I feel awful. I feel like I'm ugly. I feel like I'm fat. I have acne. I have no friends. I was bullied out of two different schools. It, it made me feel like I couldn't face anything, face, face the world. I had a boyfriend at the time and we were dating up until it was my first semester of college. And then he broke up with me for his coworker. And the day he did that, it was super out of the blue. Like I knew he had been flirting with her and we'd been arguing about it. But then all of a sudden he just broke up with me and he was like, basically telling me he didn't love me or that I was fucking crazy. I don't, you know, I don't really remember, but I just remember breaking down in my apartment so bad after being through all of this shit, being bullied, being ridiculed, having no one, basically except him at that point in my life. And I slit my wrists. I was on the floor of my bathroom. I had taken a bunch of cold medicine to the point that I was like at overdose level. And I called 911 myself because I freaked out and I was like, what did I just do? Like I am in college. I'm about to leave this entire city and go somewhere else and actually have a life. What did I just do? And they came, my normal one came and they took me to the mental hospital. And I got there and I was just numb. I was quiet. They kept asking me intake questions and they were like, you know, do you want to harm yourself right now? And I just kind of was like, I don't, you know, I don't know what to say. I hate it here. Like, I don't, I guess I don't want to die, but I'd rather be anywhere else but here. And I ended up staying in the mental institution for about a week, maybe two, I think. I don't, I'm not entirely sure. I don't really remember. Um, and that experience, you know, I don't think necessarily helped, but it was necessary for me to kind of reset myself. So when I got out, um, I finished that semester of school. I ended up going to um, the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga for college. 
I lived in the dorm first and then I lived in a house and then I lived in a condo and then I lived in another house. It was great. I had a great time. I was there for five years and I joined a sorority for the first um, two and a half, three years. Um, I ended up leaving the sorority due to expenses and personal reasons. Um, but I met so many people. I celebrated my 21st birthday. I had all of these connections, these friends. I was dating, I was single, I was dating, I was single. I was not bullied, I was thriving. Honestly, I became who I am truly today because of college. I did not peak in high school. I was not, you know, at some subpar level once I got to college. Like I truly did thrive and I came into myself as a, as a woman and a, as an individual. And during that time, I, tr I pretty much did not have any issues mentally on that level. Obviously I had breakups, I had fights with friends, I had, you know, things happened, but my actual mental health was pretty stable. I was still taking Vyvanse, um, but I would only take it to study for like tests, so I didn't take it daily. Um, and I stopped taking my antidepressants. I felt like I didn't need them. And that's something I momentarily wanna to touch on is if you are prescribed something that is supposed to be helping alter your brain chemistry and alter the way that you think and feel for a good reason, don't stop taking it because it doesn't do anything if you're not taking it consistently, just like your birth control. I mean, it's, it's so simplistic and it's sad that I felt like I didn't need it because to this day, I still think I should be heavily medicated. The only reason I am not is one, I don't have the health insurance to truly cover what I need. And also I can't get prescribed what I think and feel like I need. I've done a lot of research on what I think would help me at this point, which we're about, I'm about to get into that. But um, truly most um, doctors would not prescribe me the combination of medications that I feel is best set for my issues. So that's kind of the biggest thing is that's the reason I'm not on any medications right now is because the combination that I truly think I need is not going to be given to me and that's okay. I'm managing fairly well at the moment. Um, so it's okay, but backtrack to we're in college and I stopped taking it. Um, after college, I moved back to where I went to high school and everything in Nashville, Tennessee. And this was kind of when COVID was happening and I kind of touched on this in one of my other episodes, which was the why I chose this name, which is I was heavily partying. I had no goals, I had no path, I had nothing going on. I was dating an abusive person and the people I was around were also not going anywhere or doing anything with their lives. And at the time, like I said, it was kind of fine because it was COVID, we weren't doing anything. We weren't thinking the future in our lives were really going anywhere at the time. But it kind of put me in a dark place and because I was dating this abusive person, it made it even worse. I started harming myself again. I started running away from my problems again. I started doing all of these things and <laughs> 
I feel like an idiot because I let somebody put me back into the same place that I was in high school. When I had gotten out of that for so long in college and truly thrived as an individual, I let partying and a single individual make me hate myself so much that one day when we got into a physical altercation in my apartment, over, be that as it may, something pretty valid for my anger, but we'll go into that in another conversation when we talk about relationships. But um, my valid reaction was very, very aggressive and very angry. And I had not seen myself in that light ever. And I scared myself. And this altercation, these verbal things, this fight that was going on that caused me to spiral, I just packed my shit up and drove myself to the mental institution. It had been years, it had been since that high school incident that I'd been in a mental hospital. And I drove myself because I saw the anger, the depression, the the crazy, you know, if you want to call it that, come out in the most traumatic scenario, the most traumatic way. And I was like, fuck no, I can't do this again. Like, I don't want to die, but you're making me want to die. And you're making me think these things that make me want to die. And that I have, I have never felt that kind of pain before in my entire life. I'd been cheated on. I'd been, you know, verbally and mentally abused before, but on this level, I'd never <coughs> wanted my life to be over so badly. So I took myself and I checked in and it, since that was like a voluntary admittance, it was a little different than the time in high school when the ambulance physically took me there. I sat with the um, intake uh, woman and she asked me the same kind of questions and I was like, no, I don't want to harm myself, but I was thinking about it. I brought myself here because I feel psychotic. And that is when I finally got fully and truly diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Um, it had been a conversation with my therapist kind of towards the end of college that I was bipolar, but I hadn't been like fully diagnosed on that yet. And I hadn't, we'd just be kind of feeling out medicines. Towards the end of college, I was taking Lexapro, um, which is for bipolar, but it's also for depression. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of a gray area there. Um, but while I was in the mental hospital, I truly kind of connected the dots and I was like, it's bipolar and anxiety that I really truly suffer from because I'm not necessarily more sad than happy. Like I was when I was younger, it's more, the sad is very powerful and very controlling when it happens. It's not all the time, but when it's going on and when it's happening, it's awful. It is intense. It is the saddest sad that you could feel in the entire world. 
but then it stops and it does go away. And then your happy is the most happy or you're, you're euphoric, you're excited. You feel like you're living life to your fullest and you have all of these hopes and dreams and you think you can do anything in the world. And then it stops again. And that's that mania. That's the manic obsessive disorder that comes with bipolar. And I did the research. I figured these things out. I was like, wow, this is much more accurate than just being depressed. I'm not fucking depressed. I have shit going for me. I'm doing well. And these things are happening. I, you know, I'm growing as a person inside and out. Like I'm not depressed, but when I get sad, it's very hard to function. And for the next three years, well, two years, um, after being in that hospital, I did everything in my power to fight that, to fight the sadness. So when I would feel like someone, specifically my ex, was tearing me down and making me feel lesser, I would fight back. Now, it kind of, you know, I'm sure came off as me being a bitch or being rude to people but I was a doormat for my emotions for so long. I would just let people like in middle school bully me and I wouldn't fight back. I would let people be rude to me and I wouldn't fight back and I would let people destroy my inner peace and let those emotions fly and go up and down and all this stuff. I let other people affect the way that my inner peace and my sanity functioned. And I kind of stopped letting that happen. And over the next two years while I was there, before I came here to Texas, I really truly stood up for myself. I started losing friends, but in a good way. I was cutting them off. And um, I made my relationship not what it was now. Obviously he's the father of my child, but there was no more controlling aspect. There was no more, um, letting him pull out that inner demon, that sadness, anything like that. You know, I you stood my ground. And I've done, like I said, the research on what I think I need. But unfortunately, that combination is just not legally going to be looked at in a good way. Um, but that's okay. Um, I definitely have acknowledged my mental health and the stability of it and where I'm at um, a lot more in, I'm a lot more in tune with it. The reason I feel like I'm okay without being medicated right now is because I've found that, that peace with myself. Now, I still feel like I do let people control my emotions because of their actions more than they should, but it's okay. I'm not as sad as I was. But the reason I wanted to kind of talk about my journey of that is how things can change over time. Your diagnosis isn't necessarily always going to be the same thing. Your mind is, is growing. Your heart is changing. Your lifestyle is changing as you get older. So, you know, I started my journey in sixth grade as an ADHD kid. Well, I don't have ADHD. We've figured that out at this point. 
I have bipolar one with anxiety and that completely changed over those course of the years. But I also never let it define me. I didn't use it as a crutch. It's not, oh, I have ADHD, like, you know, help me. Oh, I have depression, help me. Oh, I'm bipolar, help me. It's no, it's let me be able to register, acknowledge and address signs, triggers, things like that. You can't let mental health completely define you. Now, it is important for there to be awareness of mental health more than there is in the world. And like I said at the beginning, have it not be written off. Um, I mean, the same goes for men. It's a little bit less of a thing than it is for women. You know, just being called crazy, being called a bitch, being called unstable, whatever. For men, it's almost the opposite, where it's if you show emotion, if you feel these kinds of things, then you're you know, weak, you're not a man, you're not a man. Um, you know, you shouldn't be getting depressed. You shouldn't need to talk to anyone. You shouldn't um, be sad. Like don't let someone hurt you, break your heart. Like that's weakness. Um, which is like I said, kind of the opposite of women where it's like you show weakness, you're crazy, you're a bitch. For men, if you show weakness, you're a pussy, you're, you know, not worthy, you're not manly enough. And, you know, that's just, to me, so fucking crazy and stupid because everyone has emotions. Everyone feels things. Everyone feels things differently. And when you are feeling these things, when you have obvious signs of things, you know, I'm not a doctor, but because of what I've been through and the research that I've been told and that I've learned on my own, I can tell signs when other people might have those issues. I have undiagnosed friends who exhibit the exact same signs that I do of mania and depression. And I'm like, they might be bipolar. I'm not going to sit here and say you're bipolar, but you might be. You might have depression. You might have ADHD if you bite your nails and you're fidgeting and all that stuff like I used to. You know, like, it's just... If you have these things, it's okay to go get help. And it's also okay to not go get help and then to try and, you know, help yourself. But you have to acknowledge that those, that those are there. That it exists, that you're feeling these things, that they have consequences if you, if you act on them, you know, I mean, if you go your whole life and you're harming yourself and you're cutting yourself or you're burning yourself or any of those things that you do for self-harm and you just don't do anything about it, that's going to cause you more damage in the long run. Whether you go see help, talk to a parent, talk to a friend, whatever, it doesn't matter, but you can't just hold it in and bottle it in and take it and just lay down about it because that's going to cost you your life. I truly believe that not everyone wants to die. I truly believe everyone has some drive and fight in them to get through it. And you know, the people in the world that I've lost 
to suicide or that the world has lost, you know, as famous people who have um, committed suicide or overdosed or anything like that, where it's been due to their mental health. Everyone thinks, oh, I could have done more. I wish I could have done more. I wish I could have done more. If you were there for somebody at any point in time, you did enough. I can promise you that. And giving up on somebody, you know, deciding to step away from them as a friend or not be there for them because of choices they're making or whatever is, is not, it's not truly giving up on them. That's separating yourself for your own sanity so that you don't end up in the same place. And it, that's okay too. I just think a lot of this needs to be talked on more and talked about the different levels that this comes in because, you know, that saying, check on your happy friends is so true. I feel like I did not ever really exert signs of being sad unless I was like physically crying and sobbing in front of somebody. And you never know what someone is going through, ever ever and it's so hard to determine you know if something that you say to someone is going to make them want to hurt themselves it's it's really hard but you always just have to keep that in the back of your mind and I'm not a perfect person I know I've said things to people that have probably been extremely hurtful and like I said in a previous episode I'm I can be mean I will make you want to hurt yourself if I'm mad enough and that's not good. I know I shouldn't be like that. I know I shouldn't do those things. But that comes from that place of hurt. That comes from a place of my own mental instability. And, you know, the fear of, oh, if you say this, if you do this, I'm going to end up hurting myself. So I'm not going to let you do that. I'm going to switch it and flip it around on you. And that just comes from, again, mental health drama. And it's, you know always written off and that's so frustrating and I just want more awareness of that. I think it's totally normal for young adults to still have these issues. I think it's totally normal for young adults to not be medicated. I think it's normal if they are medicated. I think that even when you have a perfect life, family, a husband, a wife, children, whatever, you can still be depressed as shit and want to kill yourself. And that's okay. It's okay to feel that way. Now, is it okay to necessarily act on any of those things? No, it's not. It's not good for your sanity. It's not good for your health. It's not good for the people around you that love you. But it's okay to be fucking sad. It's okay to show emotion. It's okay to be depressed and it's okay to be happy and it's okay to be a whole mix of emotions as long as the table to talk about it is there and as long as the support is there and as long as the understanding is there if the support's not there as long as the understanding is there because i'm not just crazy i'm not just a bitch i'm not pmsing i'm not doing any of these things i have a mental health disorder and it doesn't define me, but it also doesn't give you the right to tell me that I'm wrong or that my emotions are invalid. 
And that's the biggest thing that I want everyone to understand is you are not invalid for your emotions. They come from somewhere, whether it's internally from someone else doing or saying something to you from past trauma, from triggers, anything. Your emotions are valid. It is not a write-off. It is not wrong. It doesn't necessarily need help or addressing. It needs understanding, empathy, compromise, and support. And with that, if you can understand yourself and you can you know, do the research for yourself to understand where you are and what's going on with all of that, you're gonna be okay. You will get through it. The struggle is not forever. It is only temporary. And I hope everyone can understand that and accept that. And I can't wait to talk more about mental health with some of my friends and some experiences that we've gone through. Um, I will also be adding or tagging this wonderful company that reached out to me that supports mental health awareness um, in my Instagram post about this episode. So if you didn't see it before you watch this episode, go see it now, learn all about them and learn about mental health for yourself. I'll see you guys next week. Thanks.